0: Which Cowboys wide receivers should be selected first in 2021? Which NFC East tight end is still being drafted as a bargain? And which second year running back could benefit the most from a new coach? Plus, Alex, the prognosticator, Kaganovsky, gives you the Super Bowl bets he likes best. The 2020 FFPC main event, ninth place finisher, Franco Vendome, shares how he almost got to the mountaintop of the contest. Draft Dogs creator Jimmy Wagner will swing in. To talk about his fantasy football kickstarter and much more we've got a jam-packed great show for you Farrell elliott is here i'm eric balkman stick around your high
1: stakes fantasy football hour starts now i can't stand the pressure i've seen greater men
2: make out of the messes just because it was right there in the dresser so easy
0: broadcast live and heard around the world you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet welcome to the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. the high stakes fantasy football hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world and now because no one else was available here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliot
2: all no, I hear is just white noise when we're speaking. Let's do our shrievel from the place in your mind. And if you Hollers, remember to check out their music at
0: quiethollers.com. Greetings, salutations, and happy Super Bowl week to all of the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs listening around the world this evening or downloading this podcast at your convenience. Welcome. To the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is not only the, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, but he is extremely excited because it's Super Bowl
2: week, Farrell. Finest week of the year, Balky, and uh, I, I can't believe we're this close to the uh, kickoff on Sunday.
0: Uh, it's going to be awesome it's going to be a fun game should be a fun game at least we'll get into uh, who you should be betting on uh, which props you should be betting on as uh, the prop will drop by Alex Kaganowski FFPC co-founder is going to tell you who what ones he likes this weekend Uh, Franco uh, Vendome talks about uh, 2021 FFPC draft as well as how he almost got to the very top of the main event Uh, he had to settle for ninth place this past year we're going to talk A little bit about how he did that with him. And a former guest of the show, a multi-time guest on the show, Jimmy Wagner, is going to talk about uh, his new creation, Draft Dogs, and the Kickstarter campaign that you need to check out and make sure this becomes a reality for all of us. Shout out to the chat room right now. You can post any questions you might have in there. Uh, You can connect with us on Twitter, at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Remember to check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com as well. Uh, you can find uh, Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore FFPC and Jimmy is on Twitter at Triple J's report. That's Triple J's report. Uh, you can also email the show high at gmail.com, facebook.com slash HSFF And if you want to give us a call tonight, 347 426 3682. That's 347 Game Over. Get those questions to us now. We'll do our best to get through them uh, throughout the show tonight when we have Alex uh, Franco and, um, and Jimmy come on. And uh, don't forget that uh, our producer and mutual friend, Rob, as well as my best friend and our audio engineer, Bryce, will be working very hard to make sure those are answered before we sign off this evening. Uh, a couple of things I want to point out before we get to, um, to the start of the show. 2021 best ball drafts are indeed open right now at myffpc.com. Plenty of super flex, double ups. Um, everything is going on there right now, starting at uh, thirty-five dollars on up, seventy-seven two fifty. Uh, there's a price point and there's a format for you. Myffpc.com. You want to play year-round? Dynasty orphans are available. Check it out. Myffpc.com/slash dynasty for sale. And don't forget to be registering for Prize Picks ahead of the big game on Sunday. PrizePicks.com. Use the code FFPC. You invest twenty dollars into that, you'll get a free thirty-five dollar FFPC credit. Plus, you'll get the instant uh, uh, matching deposit. So, essentially, your $20 will turn into $75 value very quick. It is simply a can't-miss for any FFPC player. Lance Turvis, the sports betting man, he was on this week's Heist Lowdown. You can check that out, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, he was in the first FFPC draft of the year to complete uh, the first FFPC best ball of the year. And he had a lot of stuff to say on who he took at the 104, which surprised a lot of people and how many rookies he took in that draft as well. A lot of great stuff in there, rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, let's get into tonight's first guest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he is the co-founder of the SFPC, but we know him as the Prop He's here to share his favorite Super Bowl 55 props. You follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore FFPC. Please welcome back into the show the Prop himself, Alex Kaganowski. Good evening, sir, and happy Super Bowl weekend, man.
1: Good evening. How are you? Um, You know, Farrell says that he can't believe uh, Super Bowl is here, and and I can't believe that the high-stakes fantasy football hour is here where I'm on it.
2: (laughs) You you make a very compelling guest. Why aren't you on it more often, uh, Alex? Oh, no, you don't want to hear
1: too much of me, Farrell.
2: Everyone wants to hear too (laughs) much of you. You know, full disclosure – To everyone that's listening for the show, and Balky, you especially, I sent a text in to see if I could get what would be the equivalent of insider information to find out (laughs) what the favorite props were. And I got a very, very cold shoulder that essentially said, I have no favorites. And so uh, I, I, there's no – everyone who's getting this information and is tuned in tonight is getting it in a timely way. There's no insider information. And that just adds once again, Alex, to your uh, to your sterling reputation as uh, being fair and uh, balanced with with all fantasy players. So congratulations on that, sir.
1: Thank you, Capral.
2: You're he, not lying. That actually did happen.
0: We should, now this is, I, and, and people who have been a long time listener to the show, they know that Alex, um, it, this is not your first appearance on the, the show. Um, but one thing I think is always important to bring up when we talk about betting, just props in general, not necessarily Super Bowl props, something you bring to our attention every year. You know, it, it's, it's almost as important as not only what side you like, but the kind of odds that you're getting from whatever sports book um, you're betting. Can you ca- kind of refresh us on how, why that's important as people look to bake their Super Bowl prop bets this weekend?
2: Yeah,
1: that is the – I mean, to me, it's the single most important thing. And now, um, if you live in states like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, I believe, and a few others, I mean, there's quite a bit now. Uh, you have access to uh, probably dozens uh, of legal sports books. Now, you know, you, you also have uh, offshore, if you want to go that route, and if you trust uh, if you trust them, then you have that too. But, um, you know, when you have that much access, uh, you also have, especially when it comes to props, uh, Super Bowl props, you have uh, the ability to find value. And um, you could find value in the line. You could find value in the juice or, you know, the juice being your way. Um, you know the direction that you want to play, so I think to me uh, I, that is the single most important thing. And I will I will bet just because of the value and because of the um, you know not necessarily the side that I like, but just the value of the side uh, if I have uh, if I have the ability to find
2: to find it. All right, so Alex. What, for years, what oh, go ahead.
0: No, 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 Farrell, go ahead, please.
2: Alex, for years, I've either been at the Super Bowl three years, uh, go to Super Bowl week to do some work, but usually, and for the last 14 years, you could find me in Las Vegas on Super Bowl weekend, and you are so right, because one of the most frustrating things that I ever had is by the time I got there and got my hands on a prop sheet, uh, locals and people that had arrived earlier in Las Vegas had already been – had already picked – the props and already moved the numbers uh, on the values of the plus and uh, the the underdogs and, and the the favorites for the betting of the props. So here in Indiana, where we have our KFFSC draft at Caesars, I was able to go over and grab a prop sheet and, and I've had it with me for the last two weeks. And I finally found some that later on I'm going to uh, in the show that I'm going to ask you about, but I, you are, you are spot on getting that prop sheet early meant all the difference in the world. And, and
1: I will add, Farrell, that's actually true. Um, but as the lines move, as, as you get closer to the Super Bowl, for example, Sunday morning, sometimes an hour, or Sunday afternoon, a couple of hours and even an hour or a half hour before the Super Bowl, you're going to see the biggest moves of all. Of all. And a lot of times when you first grab that prop sheet and, or you first open that website and you see a line, I mean, you may have a significant move if it's a total on the yards. You know, you could have two or three or maybe even five-yard move uh, between, uh, you know, let's say a few days or a few weeks leading into the Super Bowl and the, the an hour before. Or the juice could go, you know, anywhere between 20 and $0.60. Cents. So you could actually end up being on the other side of a particular prop just simply for the value, and I love that. Like, I, I'll actually look for certain... Um, lines that I think will move, and a lot of times they move to the over. So, like if you if you are an over better, you should probably take the early uh, action. You know the early lines. If you yeah. are an under better, you should probably wait until closer to game time. So,
0: Alex, first of all, great knowledge on on what to do before you get there. But once you see the value, once you know which ones you want to go, once you, you have picked a side and you understand, okay, this is the one I really like, what, just give us a few of your favorites so far that you've seen uh, for Super Bowl 55 between the Chiefs and the Bucks.
1: Oh, the one, the one I right away uh, thought about was – and then as it turns out today, I was, I was listening to a um, to, uh, fantasy radio show on Sirius, um, and it turns out everyone's loving it, too, which, which always makes me, you know, I have to second-guess myself. When, when everyone is on the same side <laughs> as me, I'm, I, I don't like that. So, But I, I, I feel good about it because I actually got in early, and that's over on Mahomes rushing yards. Um, I got in at 19.5 uh, over late 30 cents, which, by the way, that's kind of usually the maximum that I'm going to lay, 30, 35, I don't really like to lay too much, uh, much more. Uh, but I've seen him. Uh, I've seen that line move to over nineteen and a half, lay seventy. I've seen in certain some books online um, that line is up to twenty one and a half, also laying like twenty five thirty cents on the over. And the reason why I like that line is um, is is really because I I think besides the fact that I think Mahomes is probably is healthier. Uh, much healthier than he was uh, a few weeks ago with the bat toe. I-, I just think that with the offensive line, he's going to have to move around. Uh, the Tampa Bay uh, pass rush is going to force that, force him to do that. Um, and you know, I just don't think he's going to be able to sit around and kind of, uh, you know, roll, roll, especially rolling uh, to the left, to his left and to his right that he typically does, and then hits Hill down downfield. I think he's going to have to. Uh, uh, you know, or is gonna have to scramble and maybe uh, take make make a few rushes up
2: the middle. That makes sense. That was one of my favorite um, ones, too.
0: you know, and, and the thing is, like, I don't think we've gotten. Have we gotten final word on what linemen are going to be out there and what linemen are not going to be yet? Um, because I I think if if we get some sort of Super Bowl surprise that Kansas City is indeed missing three. Um, starting offensive lineman against that Tampa de- defensive line, man, this, that looks really, really good. So you guys are definitely dialed in uh, on that one for sure. Alex, what, what about um, – do you have any others that you want I to – I know you want the HSFFR audience moving the number or the odds on this at all, which is, <laughs> quite frankly, uh, not only possible but very likely. Um, but what other ones are you willing to share with the audience tonight?
1: You know, I'll give you one that I found. Um, you know, sometimes you just find a strange one. That you it doesn't seem to make sense to me, and um, this one uh, it falls into that category. So it's uh, uh, Edward Tiller, uh total yards rushing and receiving, um, which in in my uh, book it's uh, set at sixteen and a half. Now, you know, you think about it, it's like okay, whatever, sixteen and a half, You know, you can go over, you can go under. But but here's what I found found it to be strange. The uh, total on his rushing yards is 32, 33 and a half, I believe. The total on his receiving yards is, a, is I believe, 18 and a half. Now you combine those two and you get 52, 53, something like that. And but yet the total prop on both rushing and receiving is 60 and a half. So that is very odd, and I don't see it too often. <laughs> it's never. It's not always. Exactly lines up you know, with, with those two rushing props and the receiving props, but it's usually close. It's usually within one or two yards. It's a seven yards different. So I happen to have it on my book. I'm not exactly sure if it's on every book the same, but uh, I took the under pretty quickly when I saw the under 16 and a half. And this Alex, is the, this is the type you, of advice you get tonight.
2: Alex, if you look at a sheet, like I've been doing for two weeks You finally see things that you don't think You ever would have paid attention to And I found one, I want your opinion on it It's I, I guess it would be categorized as Team prop And there's two of them And it's just something that I've never picked As a prop before But it, it looks like it's a clear answer But I want to ask you guys a question first I know you've watched the Kansas City Chiefs Play football all year uh, Can you tell me the name of the Chiefs punter? It's impossible. I
1: cannot. (laughs)
2: Tommy Townsend is the Chiefs' punter, and I had to look it up. I didn't know either. And I've got a, I've got a prop here. Uh, Tampa is minus one forty. Which team punts the ball more? Who punts the ball more? And and I just I don't even I don't ever see Kansas City, uh, very very rarely punting. Uh, I, I think that that is uh, – I think that's an easy bet on Tampa Bay. What do you think? Um, you know,
1: I, I can't say that I disagree with you. But um, from my perspective, again, you know, I'm more of a kind of a value player. And mm-hmm. a lot of times I don't really handicap by – I mean, obviously I think about the flow of the game and how I think the game will go. But I don't necessarily, you know, in this particular case, it seems like that would be the only thing that would drive this this bet is just the flow of the game. And to me, mm-hmm. since I can't really put a value on that bet, you know, on that prop, I don't really know what the right number is one way or the other. Uh, you know, with, just, you know, kind of the algorithmic, like what, what is, I just don't know what is the good value uh, either way. So I, I guess my answer is uh, I, I don't know. Uh, what to make of it. But it seems, it it seems to make sense. I have
2: one other question to ask you. And they're both receivers uh, on Kansas city. Can you live with the big numbers? Would you be an over better or is under where you want to be on uh, Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill Travis Kelsey, I believe is eight and a half and Tyree kill, I think is seven and a half.
1: Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good question. I have I have um,
2: uh, an under
1: uh, bet on both of those. Um, actually, on my book, um, I can get under eight and a half Kelsey receptions plus twenty cents. So there's a lot of action on the over on that. Um, you know, again, just a pure value play. I I, I think that um, because of uh, Again, you know, in this particular case, I, I think about maybe the flow of the game, and I think again back to uh, the offensive line troubles of Kansas City. Um, I'm thinking, um, you know, maybe Mahomes will not be as comfortable. You know, uh, and, and I'm thinking, where is he going to go when he is not comfortable? Is he going to go to Kelsey? Sure, I mean, he could always go to Kelsey. But I'm thinking on broken plays or, uh, you know, things of that nature. Or, you know, when when plays break down, when protection breaks down, I'm thinking what happens? Well, he goes to his third kind of fourth reads, you know, not necessarily the number one read or maybe dumps off to the running back or maybe, you know, maybe takes off. So, um, so to me, it's complete, it's very possible. Also I think another thing to keep in mind is that he's playing a real defense. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I yes, I know he he, he kind of embarrassed the quote-unquote real defense back in, in the middle of the season when they played, but I think the defense is playing pretty well right now. So, uh, and he hasn't played a real defense, certainly, in the last two games. I mean, Cleveland was just an embarrassment, and, and you know, Buffalo did not really put much, put up too much of a fight either um, as far as defending against the top two uh, targets. So, yeah so I like the under I like the under on Kelsey. I like the under on uh, on uh, Terry Kill. Again, just you know try to wait and get and get the value and try to you know maybe get a plus 20 or a plus 10 or or whatever or maybe the line even moves uh, half, a, half a reception to the next number.
0: Well, I got to be honest with you. Our listeners always get plus a million every time the Prop comes on, and it's always good to talk to you, Alex, my friend. This is uh, uh, the highlight of my Super Bowl weekend is getting the props in from you. And remember, if you want to bet on fantasy props, props with a fantasy spin, PrizePicks.com. Use that FFPC code. Make sure you're getting in on that and uh, transferring a minimum of 20 dollars into at least seventy five dollars. Thanks to the FFPC credit. Thanks to the instant match bonus at prizepicks.com. We follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore FFPC. Alex, keep crushing it, doing everything you do for the FFPC. And we will talk to you again soon, dude. Enjoy the game on Sunday.
1: All right, guys. Nice talking to you again. Thank you. Thank Absolutely.
0: You, Alex. Alex Kaganowski, ladies and gentlemen, the prognosticator. Uh, always good to talk to him. Um, as excited as I was to hear those props so I know which way I'm leaning towards Uh, going on on sunday what i'm rooting for i am even more excited to welcome in our next guest here this evening ladies and gentlemen he is a full-time chef and a part-time high stakes fantasy football player but he's trying to become a part-time chef and a full-time high stakes fantasy football player he's on the right path clearly after he finished ninth place Overall, in the 2,000-plus team competition, that was the 2020 FFPC main event. Want to welcome in tonight's second guest, it is Franco Vendome. Franco, welcome into the show,
3: man. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. It's a real pleasure. How are you tonight?
0: We're doing good. We're excited for the big game, as as I'm sure you are, too, Franco. We we do want to get into uh, fantasy football, pick your brain on not only how you built the juggernaut that Really went on an incredible tear in week 16, but it did all season. We're going to get into 2021 before we do that. Can you tell the listeners where you're practicing your chef expertise?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'm a chef uh, restaurant owner here in New York City, and uh, I'm involved in a few locations right now. I have one in Midtown Manhattan, uh, one in Astoria, Queens, and we are currently working on our third project in, uh, in Long Island, which will be open in a few months.
2: You are fighting the good fight, Franco, my friend. I tell you, back to back New Yorkers on the show, Bobby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, and we might, get
0: Farrell, I'm going to be honest with you. We might get a third before the end of the show, oh, too.
2: That's that's great, and and I I love that. And I, I'm trying to get through the the pandemic and and focusing on all the positives. And we've had some wonderful, wonderful positive things brought to us through fantasy football and the NFL this year, but. Uh, Franco, I uh, I miss my trips to New York so badly. <laughs> and I'm so glad to see and congratulate you on your expansion during this time of the year when all we hear is, is a lot of hand-wringing and, and bad news coming from New York. So congratulations not only on your fantasy uh, prowess, but your, your business prowess as well. Uh, you, you know, for a New Yorker, uh, <laughs> your 2020 team – uh, it came uh, came to Cleveland to rely on some of this pop. I, mean, I remember when I showed up in Las Vegas to, to draft my teams live. Uh, the Kareem Hunt was uh, uh, was was draped all over and created a, a pall of discontent for Nick Chubb drafters. You went ahead and uh, were one of the earlier drafters on Chubb. The middle of the uh, the middle of the second round, I believe it. At 2-6, yep. why did you have the foreshadowing to to realize that that Chubb could do so much with only 190 carries? On the season, Hunt actually got more carries. Chubb, um, 12 touchdowns, six plus 100-yard games. Uh, he could have done more with more, but he certainly made the most of his opportunity as you did in 2020 you and chubb uh, are uh, going forward together in the future i take it would you make that move again
3: uh yeah i was i was um bullish on chubb coming into the year and um i'm not going to sit here with a straight face and say it was an easy pick to make uh (laughs) so definitely definitely some hesitation there especially with uh a lot of the, uh, a lot of my peers in the high-stakes fantasy community being so high on Kareem Hunt, as you mentioned. Um, I think what helped me a lot is being a Vikings fan, and uh, my affinity for Stefanski and what he did with the offense, especially in 2019. Uh, right. I saw what he got out of Cook in that backfield, and I believe they averaged, uh, if I'm not mistaken, over 150 yards per game in 2019 on the ground. Um, My hope was that Chubb would get somewhere between 15 to 20 carries a game and uh, also vulture all the goal line carries. Um, I actually thought about drafting both of them on one of my teams, uh, but I I thought that was a little uh, negative EV move, but it would have actually worked out because Hans also paid back nicely um, on his fifth-round ADP. But I I think it was uh, just – the fan ski and what he, what he can do with the offense, his scheme, his, his ability to, to run the ball. And um, another guy that really helped me is uh, one of my favorite prognosticators in in the fantasy community is Matt Waldman over at football guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many breakdowns and articles I read from him on Chubb and uh, you know, just uh, pointing out his overall talent, his vision, vision is you know all the breakdown breakdowns he did on him uh Waldman really helped me in that aspect and kind of you know watching those videos and his rookie scouting portfolio that he does every year kind of pushed me over the ledge and uh had quite a few shares of Chubb this Chubb this year I gotta yeah. say
0: too like you know I I just feel like you could say this about pretty much any running back in the NFL but if you told me it. Bulky, what, what, play, what running back in the NFL was born to play professional running back? It would be Nick Chubb to me. It's the vision, the cuts, the body, everything he does, yep. he checks all the boxes uh, for sure. Uh, Franco, I, I do want to ask you about um, uh, the fifth-round pick that you had in this team that finished ninth overall, and that's Ronald Jones. And, and I know I've touched on this before on the show, but it seems like ever since Tampa drafted Ronald Jones, they've seemingly been looking to replace him. You know, they get guys like Peyton Barber, Keyshawn Vaughn, Leonard Fournette is, is the uh, flavor de jour this year. Um, but I, I'm just kind of curious, do you think that this is a guy that's going to be chronically undervalued essentially or his whole career because people will always be pointing to that second running back in Tampa uh, that, that the Buccaneers seem to be hell-bent on bringing in every single year to compliment Jones?
3: um i I think so eric i think I think there's a good case to be made for him being undervalued um if if the chips fall the right place for him uh in this upcoming season uh and to go back when I drafted Rojo last year, I think a day or two later they signed cornet and and I was just beside <laughs> myself uh, so I was like, <laughs> oh no, what did I do here because it was a very um very divisive topic in the D- in the fantasy community you, either you were a Rojo truther or you weren't there was there was kind of no no in-between gray area and um everyone was having a ball with it after they signed Fournette And, and as I'm sure you noticed Fournette was shooting up draft boards as we got closer to uh opening kickoff but I do think you know if he can take the next step as a pass catcher I do think he needs to work on his receiving ability out of the backfield um he, he did he did work on the fumbling this year a little bit, and I think earned a little bit more of Arian's trust, which uh, which is a big thing with him. Obviously, we've seen him numerous times yank a running back after a fumble, and uh, they'll never see the field the rest of the game. I, I do think that if he can really take the next step as a pass catcher out of the backfield, uh, I believe some early data I saw so far uh, for next year's season for upcoming drafts, he's going somewhere around 70 in that, that range. I do think he has some upside there if, if he can take the next step. And also if Fournette, you know, I'm assuming Fournette will go out there and look for a big payday from another team. Um, you know, he will have to ward off Keyshawn Vaughn, but I think if he can stay in Arian's good graces, he does have some upside there in that in that pick range.
2: You know, uh, Franco, uh, Balky uh, in the midst of the Big Ten uh, consistently loves – to talk about running backs from the Southeastern Conference. And as I said here, in Kentucky, Ballki, and Wisconsin, we we uh we, we give him full right to do that. Every running back we're talking about here tonight appears to be played in the Southeastern Conference with the exception of Rojo. But I as as much as I love talking about running backs, I want to move on. I want to talk about wide receivers because I need some help I'm drafting uh, right now in one of the uh in, in one of the draft master uh, best ball uh, events, and I, I got my early start in January. I wanted to say I was drafting in January, so there I go. And what I've noticed <laughs> is bunched closely together is my stellar ninth round draft pick last year of CD Lamb. And now, bunched closely together, Amari Cooper and CD Lamb are, are appearing. Uh, in in the draft together now, uh, how great it was when C.D. Lamb was with uh, Dak Prescott. You know, he had a couple of touchdowns and through the first four games was already at 20 receptions. I here in Kentucky, where we're required to start three wide receivers in your lineup, and 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 when I when I go to the FFPC, I draft too many wide receivers at the expense <laughs> of running backs. And I'm always scrambling with running backs. And I say I won't do it, and I always do it. And, and it, But th- this is the year. I want you to tell me if we should do it with these two players. If Lamb is going too high, I, I mean, maybe I have this in common with other fantasy players. Maybe I have it in common with Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones gives $20 million a year to uh, Cooper and, and invest a first-round a draft pick in Lamb, and, and the, the Cowboys are in 11 personnel 70% of the time, and they got a running back previous to this year that succeeded in 11 personnel carrying the ball. So I want you to tell me, um, am I right to draft CeeDee Lamb as close as Amari Cooper? Both these guys are going to catch 100 balls, 92 for Cooper last year, 74 for Lamb. What are you doing with these guys?
3: Uh, this is a tough one, and I uh, I do think in the FFPC, FFPC excuse me format that uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Lamb creep up a little bit more as we get uh, going deeper into draft season a few months from now. Um, you know, everyone's always looking for the flashy new toy, and and mm-hmm. these are shark infested draft drafting waters. Obviously, um, I, you saw it last year where. Uh, Miles Sanders became the hot commodity and uh, he, he was going I think he went one in, in, the, in one draft that I saw, but he was going regularly he was being drafted four or five over guys like Derrick Henry Aaron Jones or even the aforementioned Nick Chubbs. Uh, we see it happen often, but it, it, it's a fine line for me to toe uh, with these two. I, I do think both of their ceilings are capped quite a bit due to uh, uh, many, men- many uh, reasons you just mentioned. Uh, there's just so many mouths to feed in that offense. Well, with a healthy Prescott back, I, in this type of format, I tend to lend, uh, lean a little bit towards Lamb, uh, Lamb's upside a bit over, over Cooper. And uh, I, I think that will reflect, reflect in drafts as we go along here. Um, another thing I, I'd like to see Dallas do is involve him a little bit more in the running game a few more end arounds and, and trick plays. They did that. Actually, I think they did that week, week 16, which helped me uh, uh, with a late Ooh, touchdown he uh-huh. had there, uh, a late rushing touchdown. I think he has great potential in the running game. We saw it at Oklahoma. I hope Dallas can involve him a little bit more in that aspect. I think that gives him a little slightly higher ceiling than Cooper, but honestly, they're both kind of capped. I, I believe because of the offense that they play in and the amount of weapons there, um, you know, the amount of mouth to feed, as, as I said. Uh, I
0: can tell everybody, too, that, that currently, and by the way, shout out to Darren Armani who runs FantasyMojo.com, who puts these uh, this ADP together uh, all year long. CeeDee Lamb currently going as wide receiver 19 at the 502. Amari Cooper, wide receiver 15 at the 406. Yeah. So, again, about a half-round of value. And I should mention this, too. Uh, Franco got um, Ronald Jones in the fifth round last year. People, I think, are agreeing with you, Franco, here with the FFPC drafters. Uh, Ronald Jones falling to the 608 as running back 26. Either they think Burnett's going to be back or they think Tampa's going to add somebody else or Keyshawn Vaughn's going to take a big step forward. So maybe Ronald Jones even more of a value this year. That remains to be seen. We're talking with Franco Vendome, the ninth-place team owner in the FFPC main event here in the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour this week. Um, I know I've been talking about this guy a lot, but I think it's an important guy to get right for FFPC tight end premium drafts in 2021. A lot of undecideds going on in Washington right now, especially on the offensive side of the football. How high would you draft this year, Franco, a tight end you took in the 16th round of this main event last year, and that's Logan Thomas.
3: Uh, here's another guy who uh, – hey, there's no easy decisions, as we all know, right? There's uh, – <laughs> a lot of these are head scratchers. And um, Logan Thomas, the guy continues to improve every year. It's just such an abysmal offense and, and so many unknowns, as you mentioned, Eric. Uh, who Who's the quarterback going to be? Uh, are they going to add any outside weapons, any other weapons in the receiving game to help uh, F1 – and to help, you know, you know, whoever is the quarterback, whoever is on the center. Um, I'm as it stands currently. I'm having a little bit of a hard time uh, drafting him in that seventh or seventh round range. I believe I've seen him about going around tight end ten overall. Um, Correct. Well, while, while I was so bullish on him last year, I was, like you mentioned, I was able to nab nab him in between the 16th and 18th rounds, and I absolutely loved him at that uh, at that price. But at number 10, overall me personally, right now, it might be a little too rich for my blood. I think I'd rather wait a bit. And, um, you know, for the likes of Jonu Smith or Irv Smith, um, or even a guy like big Rob, you know, Tanya and green Bay, I would prefer waiting around the two and nabbing some of those guys. And there are a few sleepers I like later on as well. Um, but he is, he is a polarizing guy. I remember him as a quarterback at Virginia tech and, um, no. You know, he's a very skilled player. His athleticism is off the charts. Um, you know, I might come around a little bit a little bit more once I see what Washington does in the offseason. But as of now, I have a hard time paying uh, the premium of tight end number 10 for him as we speak.
2: You know, guys, Washington's not the only team that uh, has a fractured situation at quarterback. As we look around the league, there's so much uh, quarterback shuffling that, that I think, frankly, you've got that exactly right. Uh, you, you've got a you've got a real good idea here in Super Bowl week what to do with that player, but uh, there's there's a lot of stories to be told uh, with these wide receivers. I I really like that player, so let's focus again uh, on uh, on running backs. There's a uh, a great situation uh, developing for another uh, Southeastern Conference player. balky points out to me that DeAndre Swift will now be coached by a former. Uh, a Southeastern Conference player And Deuce Staley All these SEC running backs DeAndre Swift uh, Underutilized last year uh, Only 114 carries uh, 46 catches out of the backfield With his 114 carries He got 8 touchdowns And this is just a terrific Explosive uh, player And and I am so bullish On this player And, and uh, this This I don't believe that um, we'll have another player in the draft that will move um, as quickly through the draft and and as high. And Balky, I would love you to to give us some of the fantasy mojo ADPs on on, uh, Swift. But uh, is DeAndre Swift a player that you are going to target? Uh, Are you as bullish on him as I am with what he might be able to do with 200 catches? And a new quarterback,
3: um, two hundred carries. Yeah, quarterback. Yep, uh, absolutely, Farrell. I'm bullish on, I'm bullish on Swift. It's uh, there's always a leap of faith with drafting a Detroit running back, as we all know. But mm-hmm. I mean, um, with Deuce Daly there, Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator, we saw how he, we've seen how he has utilized Eckler the past couple years. And then you bring in a head coach that, you know, he wants to really instill that blue-collar, hard-nosed football. Um, and apparently he believes in cannibalism as well, right? He wants to rip off the other team's kneecaps uh-huh. or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot, of, a
0: lot of psychological questions with Detroit team head coach there. But I think it's both for their running game defense.
3: Absolutely. Although, like, I don't know how much worse it can be from the previous uh, era uh, and Patricia <laughs> and the coaches they have there. Um but, you know, you, you, you everything's lining up for Swift. Um, and as I mentioned for Ronald Jones before, he needs to work on his pass-catching ability. One of the things I love about Swift is his prowess as a receiver oh. out of the backfield. He's Man. a great pass-catcher. Man. Um, they should be playing in a lot of game scripts, you know, behind in many game scripts this year. And me personally, I can see him racking up those seven, eight, nine, uh, catch games where they're playing from behind and he's just catching little dump offs and garbage time, um, you know, besides his pedigree. And obviously he's a, he's a, an amazing talent. I think, you know, early third round, I'm all over him. Um, second round, I'm really considering him depending who else is on the board at that time. Uh, obviously I'd like to see what happens with Galladay and Marvin Jones as well. Uh, seems like Marvin has one foot out the door already, but mm-hmm. I'd uh, like to see Golf will probably obviously be more of a game manager than Stafford was, but not much competition in the backfield. Carry on is still there. They might bring AP back for a one-year deal. Who knows? But he's the guy in this backfield, and he was so underutilized last year that you'd have to think the new coaching staff will, will know right away who's going to be the bell cow in this offense, and the whole offense should run through him, especially with Golf there now. Who's you know known as more of a game manager as opposed to Stafford, who was you know flinging the ball all over the field, yeah, um, uh, out of necessity most of the time because they were down. But I really like him. I, I'm willing to use a second round pick on him if he's there early third. I'm all over him this year.
0: Uh, just real quick, on Farrell had asked sure. DeAndre Swift. ADP right now 208 as running back 11 so he's being drafted as a starting running back right now gone as high as the 201 gone as late as the 304 that is the span on swift um we've been talking a lot of uh Super Bowl in the uh, chat room tonight uh Jimmy Wagner in there Kern Reeve who was last week's guest we have a question for you Franco from him coming up in just a little bit um Dave Gerzak in there as well the former host of this show you are on the Super Bowl episode Franco tell us how you see the game going and I'd love to get a final score prediction from you as well between the Bucks and the Chiefs.
3: Yeah. I mean, what a, what an intriguing matchup, right? What uh, there's so many storylines uh, leading up to this Sunday with uh, who many people consider the goat rightfully. So uh, Tom terrific. And uh, you know, all his work ethics, film studies, the, you name it, the determination. Um, I was reading a story about Giselle and, uh, Uh, Her and the kids have left him alone now, and he's been alone for the past two weeks and just uh, all by himself in isolation, uh, watching film and prepping for the big game. And, uh, you know, then you have obviously uh, Mahomes and his amazing football acumen. And for such a young player, you know, probably, I guess, the most gifted, you know, physicality-wise and talent-wise, the most gifted quarterback I've seen come around in, in a very long time. Um, So there's so many storylines. I I think in the trenches is where this, uh, not to sound cliche, but in the trenches is where this game is going to be won. Uh, I hate to say it, but I I think Tampa Bay is a little stronger on both sides of the ball right now um, when it comes to defensive and offensive line. I know Kansas City obviously has Fisher out. Their offensive line is a little banged up. Um, I really think that that's going to play a big factor in this game on Sunday. Um, and also how Brady handles the blitz. Uh, Spaniolo obviously caused Brady some headaches last time they met in the Super Bowl uh, when he was a Giants' defensive coordinator, uh, him against the blitz has been well-documented. His numbers uh, aren't spectacular, spectacular at all. Uh, I think that's going to be a big key to the game. Uh, I do anticipate it's going to be, I think one of those wild games, a close game where, uh, Brady either leads them on a late touchdown march or I can also see, you know, something, a tipped interception or, or a fumble something with Kansas city driving late and they wind up turning it over. I think somehow Tampa Bay is going to find a way to pull it out. Um, I'm thinking 31, 24 or 28, 28, 27 with the two scores I had in mind. Um, But I I think it's going to be a wild finish and, and some kind of, Crazy play that we'll remember for a long time. Uh, A lot of Patriots, Seahawks, Super Bowl ending a few years back um, with the interception in the end zone. I I just have a, I don't know. I, obviously, I'm probably totally wrong. And after saying this, the Chiefs, are, <laughs> Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs will probably go out and win 41-7. But uh, <laughs> I just foresee some kind of uh, some kind of wild ending here. It's, I think it really is going to be uh, one for the ages. It's going to be a, a memorable Super Bowl. Uh, my opinion um,
2: Well, that's the beauty that's the beauty of this uh of this game you, you cannot you gave a very compelling reason why Tampa Bay uh should um, compete and could win in this game but you cannot buy into it because as soon as you as soon as you make that statement you then look at the other side and say how how uh, it could easily go the other way, and if you could flip it around and that, that's what makes this game this is what makes this game so great. You know when you draft players uh, in the FFPC uh, I know there's always a player in, in listening to the way you handle the draft and how prepared you are. I know there's there's more players than just Chubb last year who you were focused on that really delivered for you, and I'd like to hear one of those, but I also know that you are human. And uh, you know, the, the, I know there's a guy out there that you swung and missed on, and that, that will make uh, that will make all the guys like me uh, feel a little more in common with you uh, when you tell us a guy that you that you prepared for last year, that you had big big thoughts for and big hopes for, and he really let you down. And I'd like to know if you're going to hold a grudge against that guy in 2021. And not even not even consider drafting it. So if you can, if you've got a couple guys like that, let's hear them, Frank.
3: Yeah, as far as players, I think I was uh, that I quote unquote nailed um, Chub. We spoke about already. Um, I think Adam Thielen, most drafts, I scooped him up in the fourth round. Um, I think he was going a little overlooked. He was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, definitely. Uh, plant-the-flag guy for me in a lot of my rosters. And, um, you know, Rojo we touched on upon already. I think Logan Thomas, where I was able to get him in the 16th to 18th round in a few drafts, oh, yeah. obviously also really reaped, uh, you know, really paid off dividends for me. Um, and then, obviously, Josh Allen and, and Stefan Diggs, um, I was lucky enough to have them on the, on the roster that finished in ninth place. They really propelled me those last few weeks of the season. Um, but, yeah, those are some of the guys. Even Brady, I had a lot of uh, – I was mostly Allen and Brady on most of my rosters and for where I was getting Brady. And I believe in one draft I got him in the 13th round, but I was regularly getting him in the 11th and 12th round. Um, he he really uh, was a guy that I think was also being overlooked quite a bit for, you know, for many reasons, change of venue, new team, his age, obviously, and, and questions of if he still had it or not. Um or well, Brady, I felt like, was really being overlooked. But also some of the guys that um, I think I was right on. There were quite a few that I was wrong on. That's for, that's for damn sure. <laughs> um, uh, the biggest probably being James Conner. Um, James Conner. You, you, an you and me both. You pay some impressive draft capital for James Conner. Yes.
2: You know, you, yeah, you yeah. had to pay for James Conner.
3: Absolutely. I was regularly taking him in the third round. I might have reached and taken him late second in one draft, Uh, and he he had a few decent games as uh, I believe Eric, you just said you as well, you Adam as well, I believe. Yep. On some routes, absolutely. Yep. So he showed some signs in the beginning of the year, but then uh, you know it was all downhill from there pretty much. Um, He was a guy that uh, I was terribly wrong on, and I mm, he has left a bitter taste in my mouth. I. I try not to have too much recency bias when looking into the following season, but um, he's a guy that might be, depending where he falls, he might be, it might be a little difficult for me to pull the trigger on him this upcoming season. And um, a couple guys later on, DJ Moore, Marquise Brown, those guys, uh, I swung and miss on, the, on them for the most part. And um, I really had a lot of uh, some younger players that I was high on, Joshua Kelly on the Chargers, uh, LaVista oh, yeah. Chennault. Um, I had those two and, and also Zach Moss. I had those three on a lot of rosters and, uh, yeah. pretty much, pretty much missed on all three, but, um, you know, that's, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, to get some of those other guys, right. And they, they carried me to a, to a decent, to a decent season, thankfully.
2: Well, um, I like those young players and I, I wouldn't hold a grudge against any of those three that you mentioned at the end.
3: Yeah. Power yeah
0: I, I, I'm i with you guys on this. Like I, I if I'm going to be wrong, let me be wrong with the younger guys and not necessarily the older guys with with limited upside. So I, I think you know you mentioned it, the Mosses of the world, the Kellys of the world, the Paris Campbells of the world, Franco for sure. I think those are guys worth missing on. Um, I don't want to miss on this. We do have one uh, time for one question from the chat room. It comes from actually one of last week's guests. It's Hudson Kern Reed. Pros versus Joe's Champ <laughs> from 2020. Uh, he wants to know, and I'm going to make this a two-part question based on what Dave Gerzak said after it, but he wants to know, Franco, do you think Antonio Brown, if he is indeed active for the Super Bowl, do you think he exceeds expectations, has a big Super Bowl 55? And secondly, uh, the Dizzle pointing out Antonio Brown's looked all, all right with Tampa this year, had a couple of pretty good games, and now he's a free agent, no suspensions. What do you think happens to him in 2021? And I'll let you go ahead and answer those, uh, both those questions.
3: Um, as far as the Super Bowl goes, it's, he seems to be on track to play. He practiced on Friday. He seems to be trending in the right direction. Um, I don't know, necessarily feel like seed expectations. I can see him having a typical, uh, Antonio Brown game as far as what he's done the second half of this season with, with Tampa Bay, where, you know, he can come in at four or five receptions, maybe 50 to 65 yards in that range you know, maybe pay off and, and hit the end zone once. I don't see much more than that. Um, I, I do think Tampa is uh, going to run the ball a little bit more than uh, than we anticipate. And uh, hopefully the thunderstorms hold off that they're talking about or don't impact the game too much. But, uh, you know, again, with Evans being a, such a big red zone target and then obviously great and Gronk, uh, and we can 't forget about chris Godwin again there's just so he, he, they have so many weapons that uh, I can see him putting up a middle of the middle of the pack type game but i don't I don't expect anything huge from him uh, come Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and to answer your question as far as next year oof, I'm, I'm very curious to see where uh, have have you seen Eric where he's going early on in draft i haven't uh, to be honest with you haven 't had the chance to look at his current ADP. Um, I will look. That, very, i will look
0: that up and tell you in a second
3: for sure. Um, you know, it uh, depends on on where he lands um, and if he can stay out of trouble. Obviously, I um, uh, I'm confident that he'll be able to stay out of trouble and hopefully he's learned his lesson with uh, all the off-field shenanigans. Um, he he can still I mean, he can still get it done. We've seen it the past few weeks prior to this past injury. Um, but I think a lot has to do, obviously, on on the organization. The quarterback, the uh, the scheme that uh, he lands with, um, it, it's very interesting to see. I'm um, I'm so curious to see what happens with Antonio and uh, and where he winds up this upcoming season. Um,
2: uh, a, a New York restaurant owner, Bulky, would know everything there is to know about shenanigans, so that's uh, <laughs> that's, that's understandable. You're, you you yeah, can uh, identify quick, those throw, for us.
0: Real quick, Farrell. Um, the Dizzle is actually reporting from the chat room. ADP for Antonio Brown is at 152. That's Michael Gallup, Jameson Crowder, and Jalen Waddle territory. That's where Brown is going right now. I'm just trying, I'm going to look that up here real quick as far as what receiver he's being drafted as. That is wide receiver 47 right now. 47 is where Brown is going in the 11th round.
3: I mean, depending on what team he lines up with, I think we'll see that we'll see that climb up quite a bit. There's potential for yep. his ADP to climb quite a bit. I, I think. I, in my opinion, I'm not sure if you if you two agree with me or not, but I I think there's potential for him to uh, shoot up the ADP boards quite a bit, depending on where he lands. Um, people believe in Antonio Brown. I mean, you saw even in FAPC this year, he was constantly being drafted, and every, I think every league I was in, someone was taking a flyer on him. Um, some even as some drafters even as early as 15th round or so were selecting him. Right. Uh, so I I do think. Uh, We'll see him shoot up those draft boards quite a bit. Uh, I, I would be interested in that at that ADP. I will say that much.
2: <laughs> uh, you're very good. You're very good at identifying players that have slipped in the draft that you can make points out of. And we talked a lot about players that that would be uh, uh, that that people might be reaching for. So I'd like to stay with this theme and ask you just to give me one player in addition to Brown, somebody like Logan Thomas, somebody that you feel that when you return to the FFPC Live, and I really look forward to meeting you when you do, and I'll take this opportunity to invite you to join us in Kentucky and play, but, and, and, where you can draft all the wide receivers you want. But
0: <laughs> can can you tell and it me? Has drafts in it, and Farrell, by the way, that has, don't throw yourself short, has drafts going on right now, too, as well. Oh, there okay. you go.
2: So, yeah. so give me a guy that you think has slipped now, and will continue just to stay there and be a bargain and, and that, that you will ride to more championships in 2021.
3: Um, I think the guy who's catching my eye, there's, there's a few of them, but if I had to, uh, narrow it down to just one, um, I do think, well, it might be Antonio Brown after we, what we just discussed, but <laughs> I do think, Mooney. Yeah. I do think Daryl Mooney on the bears. He was, um, ah. I think he's going around the 150 range or so, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I I could be wrong. But, um, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Allen Robinson in the offseason. There could be quite a few more targets there to go around. And uh, there are rumors about Carson Wentz also being traded there, um, which may be a uh, change of scenery, gives him some new life, um, pumps some fresh blood into him. I do think Mooney at 150 has um, has potential to really you know, be able to win some, someone's draft, uh, with with his upside and potential that he brings to the table, he's, he's definitely, definitely one of the guys. I'm, yeah, thank you. Definitely one of the guys I'm circling early on. Um, and uh, I think another guy people are forgetting about a little bit is uh, Jerry Judy. I think he did have a lot yeah. of growing pains, a lot of drops uh, his rookie season. But uh, for a guy who's going, you know, somewhere between the seventh, I saw him go as early as seventh rounds this past season. He was regularly going in the eighth and early ninth round. Now you can get him a round or two after that. Um, and, you know, I think he experienced uh, some some rookie growing pains there. But uh, And I think a lot of people were bullish on the Broncos offense coming into the season as they – fantasy sleeper offense. Uh, they did obviously have the injuries to Sutton, and uh, Lindsey was banged up for a good part of the year as well, among some other injuries that occurred. But I do think uh, Judy is being overlooked uh, a little bit early on uh, from these early ADP reports I'm looking at as well.
0: I can tell you right now, fellas, that when, when you look at um, Jerry, Judy, and drafts, Wide receiver, 41 at the 908. Um, This is um, Brandon Cooks, Robbie Anderson, Devontae Parker, LaVisca Chenault territory. So that's where Judy is going right now. Represents a pretty interesting buying opportunity, not only for redraft, maybe for dynasty as well. Um, This was a very interesting opportunity for us to not only talk to um, the ninth place finisher in the FFPC main event tonight, but one of the most illustrious decorated chefs of the East Coast. Franco Vendome. So good to have you on the show tonight. Um, do you want to, we do have a lot of New York listeners. Do you want to, do you want to sell them on, on why they need to be hopping aboard, uh, and, and dining in any one of your three establishments, uh, Franco? Um,
3: yeah, they're, they're all quite different. Um, uh, restaurant in the city, uh, in, in Manhattan, I should say, um, is Nino's 46, which, uh, actually had the pleasure of meeting your wonderful colleague there, Chris Lambert. She's such a wonderful lady. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: She, uh, yeah, she's the best. She, she dined there a few times and, and she was so sweet. It was so nice to meet her. Um, that's kind of like, uh, as my friends would say, that was, that's the, the original, the OG spot, as we say here in New York, that was right. started by my parents, my parents way back in the early eighties. Um, and, uh, it just, good quality contemporary Italian food, homemade pastas and wood-burning oven pizzas. Uh, whereas the new project we're doing is uh, totally on the water and going to be called Nino's Beach. So it'll have much more of a, uh, uh, much more of a beachy summery vibe. Um, definitely a lot of shucking, a lot of raw raw oysters and, and tons of seafood on the menu. So it's contemporary Italian uh, with a little bit of a twist, but it's uh, something that's been in my family for many, many generations and, being a first generation uh italian american it's just been in my blood you know with with the big sunday family dinners that are seven courses and you uh <laughs> need to uh no. you know need to unbuckle the belt a little bit before you can finish i just <laughs> i grew up i grew up around that so it's it's been in my blood forever but um you know hopefully i can i can uh, get a little more established as the years go on and focus a little bit more on the high stakes uh on high stakes fantasy football that would be the goal as i mentioned
0: well, it's clear fantasy football is also in your blood, Franco. Congratulations on a great 2020. Best of luck to you in 2021. And thanks for making some time out uh, for the high stakes fantasy football hour tonight. We'll talk again soon and uh, enjoy drafting season this summer, dude.
3: Thanks, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a pleasure and I hope you guys enjoy the big game on Sunday. Can't wait Thank for it. Can't wait.
0: Franco Van Dome, ladies and gentlemen, the chef. Army. Uh, and by the way, uh, Dave Dizzle has been talking about uh, Nino's in, um in the Astoria, Queens location, ninoaq.com. You can check out. They've got a gallery up there, full menu. It's uh, fantastic for anybody who's listening in New York, maybe like our next guest, who I want to bring on right away. Don't delay. Our final guest t- uh, tonight is a former main event, Football Guys Best Ball League champ, uh, but he's here to tell you about his brand new Kickstarter campaign for a cartoon he created, produced, and wrote called draft dogs you can follow him on twitter at triple j's report you can check out draft dogs on twitter at draft dogs please welcome back onto the show it is draft dogs creator jimmy wagner jimmy thanks for coming back on man appreciate it
4: what's up eric what's up Farrell? thanks for having me thanks for putting the draft dogs out there
0: oh well you're the one who put it out there man we're just we're just talking about it i i did um i got a chance to watch it I was thoroughly entertained and we'll get, we'll get into the comparison of what this show reminded me of. And I think sort of your inspiration or at least one of your inspirations for creating it, but how did you, how did you sort of come up with the, this idea and decide that you wanted to move forward with, with something like this? Was it simply a passion project? Was it something you had in the, in the hopper for a while? Tell us the uh, evolution of this.
4: Yeah, it was just something that's been in the hopper for a while. I actually, this whole COVID thing's been crazy, as you guys were discussing before. I feel bad for your boy, Franco, like with all the restaurants closing. It sounds like he's pretty upbeat, you know, what they're doing well, up here in ninth, New York.
0: Ninth, ninth place in the main event will, will help you be a little bit more positive than, than maybe you would be without that.
4: <laughs> very true. I 16 years I was with the same law firm, and then when COVID happened, we ended up parting ways. And I found myself with a lot more free time than I normally have. So beyond the time I just spent in fantasy football, I finally got to work on this project that, like I said, I've been sitting there, been wanting to do it, and I just wrote it out, and it just – it went.
2: You know, balky's getting all all around it, Jimmy, but what is your inspiration? What What did you – what did you grow up with and watch that resonated with you that would make you turn to something like this and, and, and bring it to fruition, your baby, so to speak? Because I, I see a lot of cool things, and I didn't get to look enough, um, and I want to return to the, uh, uh, the fundraising pages for what you're, what you're doing here. But uh, I, one of the things that immediately hit me is what a great way to deliver some of the nuance and, and backstories and, and develop characters uh, around fantasy football when so many of, of the few shows that have dealt with it, I think have failed miserably. And I, I think your um, creation here is just, just can, can take that to another level and be, be very, uh, be very entertaining to the public.
4: Thanks, Farrell. Um, well, I'm gonna tell you, I didn't. You you referenced multiple shows. The only the only fantasy football show that I've ever watched was the League. I mean, yeah. it hasn't been around in a while, but when it was on, I watched it religiously. It was hilarious. Like I I thought they did a good job. You did. Um, you liked that show, okay? Yeah, good. of course. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the League. Well, I, I was look, a big the fan League. Of they life. had like what? Was they, it was only like a six person the league. league. They like had a six person. I'm
0: yeah, here.
4: keep Go going, ahead. Jimmy. We got you. Oh we no, got you. we got you. Sorry, I thought I lost you guys. My, because I'm in, I'm in the house. But uh, yeah, the, so I watched the league and everything. And that's always been in the back of my mind. But when you're looking at draft dogs, every every one of those characters is a real person from my actual hometown league. Mm-hmm. they like that's us. Like, you know, like obviously the exaggerations and there's um. <laughs> if you know the people in the league and you look at the cartoon, you can recognize them. If you don't know mm-hmm. them, you you wouldn't know. But like Dr. Dino, real person, the, uh, the, so I don't remember, I don't recall if you remember, Borky, when we talked about my boy Nemo in the past, the fisherman. Yeah. Like, he's a, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah that's him, exactly him and his brother are two real man. dudes. You know, there aren't many fishermen left in the world. Well, at least I should say right. But they're real guys. Chuck, like, when you look at that big red-headed dude, Chucky, he's real, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he really exists. Yeah. And every single one Jimmy, of them's which, a real person in my league.
0: Jimmy, which character are you, then, uh, out of, of, out of everybody in Draft Dogs? Which one are you?
4: I'm Jimmy Warner. I'm the lawyer, Jimmy Warner. Oh,
0: so you're the lawyer. Obviously, you're the lawyer. Okay, so I was – There you, of you go, no, no. Listen, my first two guesses were going to either be um, the the redheaded convenience store guy because I would imagine that you you would take fantasy football more serious than any of your local uh, league mates, and then my second guess was the uh, the commissioner who obviously takes no. everything super seriously as well. But you're the lawyer. That makes perfect
4: sense. Right? No. Listen, the commissioner my the commissioner of my real league. His nickname is Scatty. Like that. That's Saddy, 100%. Chuck, yeah, I got the it. convenience store dude, that's him. Mm-hmm.
0: That's good stuff, man. Mm. That is good stuff. And you know what the other great thing about this, and this is the problem I always have with the league, not that I had a lot of problems with the league, but um, you, you only got, like, it was like a 10-team league, which, you know, that's fine. You know, Some of us still play in 10-team leagues. But, like, you only got really into five or six of the characters in the league, and the, the other ones, they dedicate an episode here or there. But with, with this one, the way you've laid out, we'll call it the pilot, you know, what, what you have on the Kickstarter, you get a taste of every single one of these 12 league members. It, it, there mm-hmm. was no short trip done to any of these characters, which I really appreciate. And, you know, the other thing, too, is um, you, one of the things that, that you were able to avoid, and I don't know if this is purposely or, or just, you know, by happenstance, but in a pandemic, it's very difficult to get actors together. It's very difficult for, for people to, to block out scenes and shoot stuff. Cartoons would be the easiest way to do it. And I, I hesitate. And I know you call it an adult cartoon. And there is some, you know, mature humor in there. But yeah, this, is, this is the easiest way uh, to get something like this out there. And, and, I, and I, even before, um, uh, you know, you, you had said it's fashioned after the league or whatever, even if you wouldn't have said that. I picked up on certain things in this that like, oh my God, this is something the league did. Um, This is something that maybe they didn't do as well as I thought they could. And and maybe you have the potential to do it even better than them.
4: Knock on wood. I hope so. I I don't know. I think with the doing it as an animation, like you said, it just gives you a lot more freedom. It's, it's a little, I don't know. No, I feel like you can do things and say things in a, a cartoon that you possibly couldn't do or say, with real life actors, well, well yeah, you very don't very have to
2: direct movie. your cartoon. You 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 <laughs> you develop your characters here, and you you direct your characters are real life actors. And I I what I thought about it, it uh, guys, that you know, and and I was not a fan of the league. It never, I, I it never sat with me. Really, and maybe I'm oh. yeah, and maybe I just missed. And and I don't see that. What what I missed there, I did. I did my first impression was this is so much different. Because these characters, which I take are all New Yorkers, or, or at least all East Coast guys that you're representing here. See, we've got guys like this that play in Kentucky. And I said, "This, oh, this reminds me of this guy. Oh, this is so... He, already, <laughs> I was identifying with this. And, and, and in most cases, some of your characters reminded me of multiple guys that we have down here. Because, you know, we got a, a two-, three-hundred-person league, whatever it is, but... it, it, it Whatever, however we got here, I love it, and I can't wait to dig back into it. So Jimmy, so let me ask you this too. Um,
0: for anybody, first of all, I posted the link in the chat. We'll tweet out the link to the Kickstarter too at HSFFR. I'll try to do it with um, with uh, my account as well and, and get that out there so everybody can check it out. Um, and you can watch the full. It's like roughly eighteen minutes or so for the first episode. Very entertaining stuff uh, all the way through. Um, For anybody who wants to support this, um, obviously go to the Kickstarter, but there's different benefits at at different levels to support this as well, including um, maybe even being featured in the show potentially down the road.
4: The levels you think of are pretty standard. Like, you know, a $10 donation will get you in the credits. Um, $100, I, I can make you, build you right into the show for the... The grand, if you actually wanted to be in the league. So I, when you, when people talk about money, money is like a real funny thing, right? And it's all relative to how much you have. So I've played fantasy football with like the New York Mets and I've sat there and I've watched guys drop $50,000 to play (laughs) seriously. And, And look, I I don't have that type of money to be dropping $50,000. But I've seen people do it. That being said, so the ultimate backing for this Draft Orcs project is I've spoken to all my league members. And we've been together for 12, 13 years now. And we all agreed if, you know, someone wanted to drop $10,000, we'd invite them into our league. They'd get to come to the draft. They'd get to being next season's draft dogs and it would be a whole bunch of new friends. It's, you know, <laughs> it, could happen, it was hard G- coming it up. It was hard coming up with an amount for that, but you know, that was the, the number we came up with.
0: I like it. Um, I think people, if, 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 if it's 20 minutes to watch this, you know, check it out. It, it's definitely worth your while. It gives you, um, um, and I said this earlier too, it's very topical. There's stuff about, there, there's some Black Lives Matter stuff in there. There's pandemic stuff in there. It's, it's very, very recent, very topical uh, stuff, which, which I, I, I think everybody appreciates in, uh, in their, when they're consuming media right now, too. Um, so it, it, the easiest way, until I put the link out there, just search Draft Dogs Kickstarter. It's going to be the first link that you come up on Google. You can donate there. You can see the different levels um, of, of, to, to get this thing going, get it off the ground and and hopefully we could see more of this uh, in the future. You follow Draft Dogs on Twitter. You follow Triple J's report on Twitter. All the updates will be posted there as well. We'll try to keep you abreast of all of it. And, Jimmy, I wanna, before I let you uh, go and, and enjoy your Super Bowl weekend, I know you're a hardcore Jets fan, and I, I did want to bring this up. So Brady is in the Super Bowl at the Buccaneers. You say you no longer have a problem with Brady anymore. You're done hating on him. <laughs>
4: I'm, I'm done hating on Brady. I, I'm going to be honest. It was the game against the, the last playoff game against the Packers. Did you guys watch the very end after he won? Did you watch what he did at the end of the game with his son? He actually, Tom Brady walks up to the sideline and asks the security guard permission to speak to his son. And it wasn't rehearsed or anything. And I thought that just showed Brady showed so much respect for somebody who just had to sit through an NFL playoff game with his back to the game. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And Brady, like, you could hear it in his voice. He definitely respected that person and said, hey, listen, can my son come come down so I can, you know, talk to him? And the security guard's like, Tom Brady's asking me permission? And he he let him down. I I don't know. I just, it put Tom Brady in a new light for me. And now that he's not a patriot, he's a good guy
0: but so I'm going to say this right now. So I'm obviously a big Packers fan. I was devastated. It was one of the hardest losses I've ever took as, as a Packers fan. Um, when, when I saw Tom Brady and the bucks come into Lambeau in January and beat the Packers to, to go to the Super Bowl and send the Packers uh, packing. Now I think I, I I'm going to be pulling for the Buccaneers this weekend and I like rooting for greatness. And to me, Tom Brady just oozes greatness. I would love him to see, I would love to see him win a seventh Super Bowl, even after what he did to green Bay. And here's my, and I heard this today and I totally agree to it. I uh, agree with this, this take. I think a lot of people hate Tom Brady because they hate when he wins, what you have to deal with in sports media with columnists and journalists and analysts fawning all over his achievements. And I think that's a big reason why people hate Brady, because of having to deal with all this extra nonsense in sports media afterwards, saying how great he is, and they got to put up with it again until we start fighting for the Super Bowl. I think that has a lot to do with it. It doesn't affect me. Go Tom Brady. Go Buccaneers. I hope they win.
4: Yeah, I, I agree, man. Look, I just, would I have, 17 years of getting beat by Tom Brady. You know what I mean? It's a long time, bro. <laughs>
2: but, but, no, I
4: do. I, I hope that, you know, good luck to him. I hope he wins. I really showed, you know, I'm sorry that your Packers lost, Bulky.
0: Yeah, whatever. It's, it's, it's death taxes and the Packers losing in the NFC Championship. I'm over it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay with me. Uh, Jimmy, I am excited uh, for Draft Dogs. I hope everybody else is too. We'll get that stuff tweeted out. And uh, I hope that um, that Kickstarter works out for you. Thank you so much for making some time on Super Bowl weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll follow Draft Dogs on Twitter. We'll follow you at Triple J's Report. On Twitter, and certainly we'll follow this Kickstarter as well. Thanks again, man. We'll talk to you. Again Thanks real a lot, soon, guys. Me.
4: Thank you. Talk to you later. Jimmy the New York crew, Barky.
0: Oh, it's a true threat even. tonight. And what a great evening that was. Um, what? What? I wish the Super Bowl was in New York, so we 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 re, would have really hit on um, being topical tonight. But uh, it's in Tampa. We'll see what happens. Farrell, I didn't get your prediction on the game. I think you like the Chiefs to get it done, though.
2: I have liked the Chiefs since last year's Super Bowl You and I have tickets to prove it. Uh, and, and at the FFPC, I, I made my bets on the Kansas City Chiefs then. And it, it, this game, as, as I said earlier, it could go either way, and you would understand, and you watch it, and you'll say, I see how that happened, and these are some great players. Competing against each other, the one thing about the offensive line, everyone's talking about that. You know that these are capable backups. The Kansas City Chiefs are a well put together team. You know they lost their their one of their best offensive linemen, who chose to to stay and practice medicine in in uh, in Canada in Ottawa. Uh, so they're a deep, well run organization. Uh, quickly, the difference is that Mahomes, when moved out of the pocket, can throw with accuracy as if he is dropping back in the pocket he gets the same uh he, he gets the same uh, motion the same the same velocity the same accuracy on the ball when moving that other players and other quarterbacks have to get uh like tom brady have to remain in in the pocket I rewashed your packers uh and and I suppose we'll the sympathy cards to you. And you haven't complained about it, I'm but everybody good. knows I'm how much it hurts you. No sympathy. You haven't complained I'm about it. Everybody, no. about I'm everybody not, knows I'm not going how much to. that hurts you. But I rewatch I rewatched that game and, and a few things could have gone very differently, your Packers would be playing in this game. So I, I think that uh I think we're going to have a Kansas City win and and you ask for a score if you're asking me for a score. Uh I'm I'm coming in with 38-28, and a, a very volatile Offensive game, and uh, but uh, we'll see at the very end that Tampa uh, could not uh, keep pace. And uh, one turnover, a couple of extra punts, a couple of situations where you give the ball to Mahomes—it'll just be too much for a very good defense. But it'll be too much.
0: Oftentimes for my local radio show here in uh, Northeast Wisconsin for big football games, I will ask my seven-year-old son and my five-year-old daughter who they like in the big game. And yep. I've got Super Bowl predictions from them. My five-year-old daughter says Kansas City 38, Tampa 35. But she says Chris Godwin wins the MVP. So a little bit out of left field. Might not be the worst thing to bet this week Chris Godwin Getting the MVP in a losing effort. Farrell, always a pleasure. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday, dude. We will talk to you again next Friday. Can't thank you enough for doing the show tonight, man. It was, uh, it was a juggernaut of a, of a program.
2: Thank you, Valky.
0: We'll see you soon, man. Farrell Elliott, check him out. KFFSC.com. Remember, drafts are open there right now. I might hop in one, actually. There's a couple of them uh, popping up. Uh, I think if you check out, there's one coming up this Monday, um, and there's a I, I, I don't want to speak for Farrell, but it could be live streamed on Facebook. You can check that out. KFFSC.com. They're not the only ones. Remember, go to FF, myffpc.com. We have best ball drafts, super flexes, best ball slims, um, double ups going on there right now, starting at $35 on up. Um, you can hop in those, they fill um, as soon as they're full, essentially. And uh, you can get in on the drafting action here in February prior to the 2020 season being over Uh, i want to thank all of our guests oh my goodness what a cavalcade of great people we had on tonight the prognosticator alex kaganowski franco vendome the uh, ninth place team in the ffpc main event of course jimmy wagner check out draft dogs on kickstarter uh at draft dogs on twitter at triple j's report on twitter as well Farrell elliott the ffpc rob bryce and of course each and every one of you as well don't forget, Rotovis.com slash podcast, Lance Turvis, this week's guest. Long, free-flowing conversation with him, as they usually are with Lance, um, about the first FFPC best ball draft for 2021 that got in the books. That was an awesome conversation. You check that out there. Uh, next Friday, we will be back, 10, 9 Central, 2020 Football Guys, fourth place finisher, Jason Hockenberry, will join the program. Uh, he will talk about how he came so close to that $500,000 grand prize in the Football Guys Players Championship. That will be very exciting to have him on as well. As I said, MyFFPC.com is your spot not only for best ball leagues, Dynasty Orphans, MyFFPC.com slash Dynasty for sales. Tons of deals there, and don't forget about bidding on them at DynastyDepot.com. I you to get a membership there. To take advantage of all the benefits of that. PrizeBitch.com. Sign up with code FFPC, and you can have a lot of fantasy top action for the Super Bowl on Sunday. Hey, that's it for this week's show.
1: Enjoy your Super Bowl weekend because it starts now.
0: This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Thank you uh, so much for uh, listening tonight. Everybody want to thank um, Frederick the Younger who took care of our outro music tonight. Check out their music, fredericktheyounger.com. And then, of course QuietHollers.com is where to find the quiet hollers who were in charge of our intro music this past week. Prize picks code FFPC, MyFFPC.com, KFFSC.com. There is literally no excuse for you not playing fantasy football or fantasy prop action this weekend. Thanks so much uh, for listening to this super sized episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We will be back next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Go
4: box. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax.